ministry. Right through this door to my left, to your right, with Miss Claire. All right, Taylor. Thank you so much for being here, and uh, thank you for coming and opening up God's Word to us. Good morning. Um, it's a real pl- privilege for me to be here today. Um, I've, I've I've done some preaching before, but the, the first time I've I really started, you know, I was in front of a computer screen because it was during COVID. So this is a this is a new sort of setting. I'm uh, uh, I'm getting used to it, but it's a uh, it's real fun. It's a it's a privilege. And um, uh, if you would turn with me, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24 today, um, starting in verses 44 through 49. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the Gospel of Luke, it's about three-quarters of the way through your Bible, um, just after Mark and just before John. So um, um, if, uh, I, I was looking at this passage. Uh, I was trying to flip through where I wanted to, what I wanted to talk about today, what sort of a topic did I want to uh, open up. And uh, this passage just sort of, sort of called me. God sort of led me here, uh, thinking... Well, last week was Easter, the, the, the week where we celebrate the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And this is the passage that comes really right after that happened. Uh, this is the passage just before the resurrection, and this, uh, just before his ascension. And this is, um, this is where God gives us what we, how we are to respond in light of everything that happened uh, beforehand. Our response to his death and resurrection. And it just so happens to be missional, which is, which is great for us because we're, we're heading to the mission field in just a couple of weeks. Um, and so um, this, that's how I got here. And so that's what we're going to do today. So if you will, read with me starting in verse 44. Um, and it reads like this. Uh, then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you have given us uh, this mission. uh, This mission for your entire church, Lord. Um, Please open our minds to hear it. Please open our minds to see what this text says today that you shared with your disciples uh, just before you left them with this mission. Um, Help us to see it as a privilege, as a gift, uh, something that we get to participate in, and show us how you have equipped, equipped us to take part in this. We love you, Father. Open our minds today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um. As uh, Grant uh, mentioned, I'm a new father. I, uh, I have a little nine-month-old back in the nursery right now, and uh, it's, it's really been a, been a joy uh, to get to have this new piece of my life, huge piece of my life. It's really changed a lot uh, about how, how, what my life looks like. And, and some of the joys are, are just watching uh, this little guy 
grow up and learn new things. And, and, you know, when they're that little, they're learning lots of things rapidly. And getting to kind of walk with him through, through learning to crawl has been one of those privileges that has been uh, both a joy and, and a little frustrating at times because it, it, did, it took him a while and he was so close for so long, you know. You'd see him, he'd get up on his, on his hands and his knees and he'd start thrusting that torso forward trying to will his way uh, across the, the carpet, you know, and, um, and then, you know, he'd fall and hit his face and cry and then get back up and, and he'd just get frustrated. You know, you could see the frustration because he wanted to do it so badly. He wanted to move so badly. Um, and, and it was frustrating for me because I'm sitting here looking, I'm like, you've got everything you need. You just need to do it, man. <laughs> just crawl. <laughs> You're strong enough. You're up on your hands and knees. You've got two older cousins who are six months older than you, and you've watched them crawl all across the living room. You've got the tools. You just got to do it. And, um, uh, of course, now we can't get him to stop. That's the trick, because he's just crawling everywhere. And it's just like, well, why can't you just sit still? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, what I want us to see from that, I think that we can be a lot like that. And I think that the disciples uh, were sort of a, a lot like that in the beginning. It's, you know, we want to do mission. We want uh, to be faithful in evangelism. And, and we think we're lacking in something. We think that, that there's something we need. We need to, to learn more. We need to go to seminary. We need to take a course on evangelism. But... God has already given us the tools that we need to just go out and do it if we put them to use. And I think if we look in this text, we're going to see some of these tools that God used to equip his disciples. This, is, this passage is all about Jesus equipping his disciples for the mission that he's called them to. And, and then he's equipped us with many of these same things. And so... Um, that's really what I want us to see today is that God has given us everything that we need to, to, to follow, to carry out this mission. God has given us everything that we need to carry out this mission. Um, so how has he done this? How, how has he, what are the things that he has given us to equip him? Um, well, the first thing that we see in this passage particularly is that God has taught us the gospel, God has taught us his scriptures. God has taught us his scriptures. Uh, let's look closely again back at verse 44. It says, uh, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their mind to under, minds to understand the scriptures. He opened their minds to understand the scripture. So, this whole sentence that Jesus is showing them uh, about you know him fulfilling the law and the prophets and the Psalms, um, what's Jesus doing here? Is is he is showing them that everything in the Old Testament, these three categories, the law. The Psalms, the prophets, this is all encompassing of the entire Old Testament. That's what the Jews, the, those are the three parts of the Old Testament. And Jesus is saying that everything that you've read, everything that you've studied here was written about me. And I have, I have come to fulfill it. I, I just fulfilled it. <laughs> and, um, and then it says he opens, his, opens their minds to understand these things. 
Uh, funnily enough, this is not the first time he has done this, even in this chapter. If you look up just a little bit, uh, we see a, a tale about Jesus on the road to Erasmus, where he meets two disciples, and he does something very similar with them. And what he's doing here is he's walking his disciples back through the Old Testament, and he's showing them where their misconceptions about him were. Because the Jews for a long time had a, a wrong thinking about who the Messiah was going to be. Um, they thought he was going to come to be a conqueror. They thought he was going to set them free from Rome and establish a new golden age in, in Jerusalem. That's a brief summary of, of what uh, the common conception of what the Messiah was going to be before Jesus came. Um, and so what Jesus is doing here, what he did on the road to Erasmus, was show them who he actually was. What he was doing was evangelizing them. He was showing, he was teaching them the gospel. Um, if you look up, uh, up in, in chapter 24 on, on the road to Erasmus, the, 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 the disciples that he's talking to in verse 21 show you uh, kind of what they thought he was there to do. Um, they, say, they say to him, we had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. This is after they had heard that he had, he had died and that he, he was in the tomb and, and that they thought... He, he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. I guess he wasn't because he died. Um, that was their thinking. And Jesus corrects this thinking. He says in verse 25, he says to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer, that these, suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scripture the things concerning themselves. And so he's correcting these misconceptions that they have. He's teaching them the gospel. This is the same gospel that we have received, that we have inherited from these disciples. He's taught these disciples and then they have carried it out. They have been faithful in preaching it and it has descended down to us and we have inherited this gospel. Um, when I was in school, grade school, I was a pretty good student. I, um, I, I, I was smart, didn't, usually didn't have to study a lot, but there was one subject that I, I really struggled with and that subject was math. I would, I would get to school, I'd sit in my math class, all, they were always in the morning, I don't know why, all of my math classes were in the morning and I hadn't woken up yet. And um, I sit down, and my teacher would go over the, 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 the topic of the day. She'd teach us how to do everything. We'd do some sample problems. She'd lead them, you know, and I think, I'm sitting there thinking, I've got this. This is pretty good, you know. Then I'd go through my school day, and then I'd go to cross-country practice in the afternoon, and by the time I actually made it to my home to sit down to do my math homework, I'd sit and look at these things, and I'd do them all, and I checked my answers in the back of the book, and they were all wrong. And I was like, well, what did I do wrong? <laughs> what, what, what did I do? And so I'd have to go into school the next day. I'd, I'd go in early, and I'd go to my math teacher, and she would so patiently and graciously reteach me the material correctly because somewhere during the day, I had mixed everything up and figured out a new way to solve these problems that was incorrect. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's, he's showing them where they had previously read the scriptures 
had gotten mixed up in their head some of their own cultural assumptions, some of their own misconceived notions, and he's taught them the truth of the gospel about what he came to do. Um, And again, this is the gospel that we have received. This is the gospel that has been taught to us. This is the inherited message. And the same Christ who opened the minds of the disciples in this passage to his truth is the Christ who is opening our minds through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Through the gift of what we have been taught. If you have been taught the gospel, if you believe these things, if you believe that Christ came, died, was resurrected to, to take on all our sin and all our punishment, and that God resurrected him, and he has bringing forgiveness to all who trust in him. If you believe these things, you have the gospel. This is what you need. Now, I'm not saying that you don't, that, that, that it's a bad idea to go take an evangelism course. I'm not saying that it's a bad idea to, to go to seminary if that's what you're called to do. Those are, sharpen, those are tools which God can use to sharpen your message, to, to, to make you improve, to, to improve the way that you present the gospel. But if you believe these things, you have the gospel. You have the tool that which God gave you to, to, to evangelize, to do mission, to carry it out. Second thing I wanna, want us to see from this passage is that God has not only uh, taught us his scriptures, but he also uh, he gives us our own story. He gives us our own story. Um, let's look uh, more closely back at uh, verse 46 to 48. Uh, there's a lot here. So um, uh, it says, And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Okay. Again, there's a lot here. This is where we, this is where we see the call. This is where we see the call to the nations. Um, this is where uh, we see the the, the the suffering and the and the resurrection of Christ that accomplished uh, the gospel. And and this is where we see God, the mission to His disciples and to us who are inheritors of this. But what I really want to focus on is verse forty eight. Um, the, the you are witnesses of these things. What does the word witness mean in this? And what are these things? Well, the thing, these things are the things that he had just said in verse 46 to, and 47. They're witnesses of the suffering uh, and the death of Christ and the rising again from the grave and that the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed throughout the nations. And so, witnesses, what does that mean? Well, when I first read this passage, I w- it really threw me off. I was, I was really confused because most of the time when we're using the word witness, we're talking about someone who has, who has an eyewitness, who has seen something. If you're, if you're called to court and you are as an eyewitness, you are giving a report about the things you have seen happen. Right, and so as I'm reading that, and I'm I'm reading the passage this way. I'm this is how I'm interpreting the word witness. Um, I'm saying, well, this is this is great for the disciples because they got to see Christ die. They got to see him raised from the dead, um, and you know, 
all we can do is really trust their testimony. We didn't actually get to see these things happen with our own eyes. Um, so how is this piece of, of, of the passage applicable? How is this piece of the passage app- applicable to us who are only trusting in a testimony? And I took a closer look at how this word is being used here. I looked back through my Greek concordances and, uh, and all that and, and, um, and saw actually how the word is being used here. And there are actually a, uh, there's actually another way to interpret this word witness. Um, and, and, and we actually use it as well. Um, going back to uh, if, if you're being called to court, an eyewitness is not the only type of witness that can be called to court. Um, there are eyewitnesses, but there are also character witnesses. Uh, a character witness is someone who is called in front and gives testimony about the, about the overall character of, of the accused, giving them a testimony about their experience of that person. There's another kind of witness as well called an expert witness. This is a, a witness who is called to court to give the judge and the jury information about a, a topic that might be pertinent to, uh, to the case. Uh, and information that, uh, that m- the judge and the jury may not be aware of. Um, and, and so, now, these are three different types of witnesses, but all of them have one thing in common. They're all giving a report. They're all giving a testimony about something. They're giving a truth about something. That's what it means to be a witness. Someone who gives a truth about something. And that's how the text is using this word here. Um, and let me prove it to you. If we, uh, if we look and... Uh, sorry, <laughs> lost my spot. Um, if we, if we look back to uh, verse uh, 46 and 47, we see three ways that they are witnesses. Number one, they, they are witnesses to the suffering of Christ. Number two, they are witnesses to his rising from the dead. But they are also witnesses that the repentance for and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. If, if the term witness here was, to be, was being used in a sense of, you have seen this happen, well, they can have seen that happen because it hasn't happened yet. They're, they're being called to fulfill it in this passage. And so the way this word witness is being used, it's being used to say, I'm giving you this mission. You are going to be a witness of this divine message to the world. You are to bring this message. You are to be a witness of this message. If this is the, the way that the, the, the word is being used here, it's absolutely applicable to us because we have this message. We have received this divine message. We have received the repentance uh, and the forgiveness of sins that it's, it's talking about in verse 27. And we each have our own experience with that. The disciples in this passage are, are experiencing and have experienced the repentance and forgiveness of sins and are being called to use that experience to be a witness to the nation. And each of us has that as well. If you are a believer, if you are a believer and, and believe these things and are putting your trust in Christ, you can be a witness to the world because you have experienced 
the repentance and the forgiveness of sins in your own life. You have your own individual story. And God makes use of that story. He does. Um, When you sit down and you get personal with someone and you tell them how you have experienced God, how God forgave you in your own history, personally, that's one of the most powerful things you can do for somebody. Because everybody wants that. Everybody knows Everybody knows that they need to be forgiven. Everybody wants forgiveness. Everybody wants that, um, that, that clean slate. They want to be forgiven. They want to know God, even if they don't know it. <laughs> so, we see that in this passage, God has taught us the scriptures. We see that he has given us our own personal story of repentance and forgiveness. Thirdly, and most importantly, God sends us his spirit. God sends us his spirit. Verse 49 says, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So this, this term, power from on high, that's a, that's a very unique and very important way of describing the Holy Spirit uh, in, in this passage. Um, it, it, it shows us that, that um, it shows us that that is where the power of mission comes from. You can have these scriptures. You can have your own testimony. You can have a very powerful, thought-provoking testimony. But if you don't have the Spirit, that's where the power comes from. Um, uh, I want you to see that uh, where Jesus says uh, up in uh, verse 47 that, that we're to take the gospel to the nation. That's the mission. But here in verse 40, 49, he says... But do not leave Jerusalem until you have the Spirit. That should show us how important a piece uh, of mission the Spirit is. He's saying, I want you to do these things. I want you to go to the nations, but don't start till you have the Spirit. It's a vital piece. Um, the, the, the mission will not be successful without the Spirit. He calls the Spirit a power. Because the Spirit is where the power of testimony comes from. Um, The power of God Himself working through His Spirit, through our testimony, through our knowledge and study of Scripture. That's what makes the message powerful. Um, It's not something we can do in our own power. Now, we all live in the South. The South is a big sports place, right? We all love... Football. I've learned since living in Alabama for the past year, we love our football. Everybody here loves football. We're a football state. Now, I'm from Memphis, so I'm actually a basketball guy. And so, your guys' love for, for Auburn, Alabama, that's my love for my Memphis Grizzlies, my NBA team. Playoffs start first games today. I'm real excited about it. Um, and these playoffs are coming. And I'm going to be watching some games this week, and I already know what's going to happen. I know, I know all about the Grizzlies. I know all about basketball. Um, I know where all of them went to college. And, and I'm going to be sitting there watching these games, 
And I'm going to start to get frustrated when things aren't going well. And I'm going to be saying, why aren't you setting a screen there? I'm going to be shouting at the TV. Why, why are you running that play? Why are you just dribbling the ball? Pass the ball. You know, um, Sometimes, I think, and if you're anything like me, you do the same thing. We think we know more than the coaches do. We, we do. We, we get frustrated and we think we know what, this, what the problems are, how to fix them, and get there. And I started thinking, what would happen if in a game when things were getting tight, I'm sitting in the stands, I just pull out a clipboard and a marker, and I just make my way down to the floor. And I get in that huddle and I say, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. If they, provided they somehow they let me down there. If I got down there, started showing, all right, we're going to set a screen here and we're going to free this guy up and he's going to... They'd be looking at me like, what are you doing? And they'd call security and they'd have me dragged out of there. And I'd probably get banned from the stadium. <laughs> this is what we're doing if we're doing mission without the Spirit. <laughs> because I have no power in that situation. I may, I may be the world's expert on basketball. I may know more than any of them on basketball. I don't. But even if I did, if I were to do that, if I were just to walk down there and start drawing up plays for them, they'd look at me like I was crazy because I have no power, no authority in that situation. In the same way, if we don't have the Spirit, it doesn't matter how much Bible we know. It doesn't matter how many evangelism classes we've taken, if we've gone to seminary, it doesn't matter if we have the most amazing turnaround testimony in the world. If the Spirit is not there, that is where the power comes from. That is what makes the message effectual. That's what gives the message power, is the Holy Spirit himself. God working through us, through these things. Uh, Luke, Luke uh, wrote a sequel to his gospel. Uh, the, gospel, the, the book of Acts. Um, Acts chapter 1, 8, it's sort of, they've got, uh, chapter 1, verse 8, shows a, an, another phrase that Jesus tells his disciples just before his dissension, ascension, leaving them with this, this mission. He says, he's, he's talking about the, the sending of the Spirit to them. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's the good news, is that we can't do this without the Spirit, but God has given us His Spirit. He's, in this passage, He's promising His disciples, I'm going to give you this power, and then you start. And in and, and Acts, Acts 1-8, that's what He's saying. He's saying, I'm going to give you my Spirit. I'm giving you this, this, this spirit, the power to do this. And so, when we, look at, when we look at all of these things, God is giving us everything that we need to start. He's giving us his scriptures. He's, he's taught, taught them to us. If you know the gospel, you know the important part. If you... Uh, if you believe in repentance and forgiveness of sins, God has given you your own story to share with people. And 
Most importantly, if you're a believer, God has given you his Holy Spirit who works these things, works this power through you. Um, this, this is a large task. It's, it's too big for any person. Oh, we're finite. We're sinful beings. We can't do it on our own. But, but God, nothing is too big for him. He works through us to uh, accomplish his mission. It can be very easy for us. It can be very easy for us to look at this and to see there's too much to do. The nations? Where do we start? Can, can I even articulate this well? What if someone asks me a question I don't know? We can paralyze ourselves with these thoughts. But know that God is using His Spirit to speak through us. He's using us in a, in a way that we can never hope to do through our own power. These are legitimate questions because we know how fragile and weak we are. But we're not using our own strength. We're using the strength of the Spirit. Um, it's funny, we think that we need all these things, and I just, I was thinking about, I was reminded of, of the, the passage of David and Goliath in the Bible, and, and how, you know, David's going to go out and fight this giant, this huge giant, this overwhelming, overbearing thing. And King Saul's sitting there, trying to equip him well, with all this armor, these heavy armor on this, this kid, you know, he's putting plate armor and the helmet and the big sword and shield on him. And David's like, I don't need this stuff. I already have everything. God's already given me everything I need. If I have God with me, how can I fail? Um, I'll end with this, this. This question, where do we start? Verse 47, he says, to proclaim his name's beginning from Jerusalem. This is their home nation, their home country. Um, the answer is, start where you are. There are lost people here in Aniston. You can go out, meet people, dinner. They're here. You'll meet them if you look. There are people everywhere, all over the world. If you don't, you know, if you're visiting, wherever you're from, there are people there. If you don't know where to start, you know, you know God has called us to the nations. And, you know, I, I sincerely hope that, that uh, some, some, someone from every church uh, has the call to go, go to the nations one, one day. Someone from every church should go to the nations one day. And, and, you know, maybe that is your call one day. But if you're not doing mission in your home, in your home city, in your home, hometown, what makes you think that when you are called to go, you're going to be any more effective wherever you are? God, God calls us to be missional where we are. We can start right here. Um, and when we're not alone. We're, we're together. We're a church. We're a community. And we have the Holy Spirit backing us. And so I just, I just want you all to leave encouraged today. It, it, can, it can feel overwhelming to, to be evangelistic, to, to try to be missional. It can feel overwhelming. It really can. I know that it can. But... But you have what you need. God's given it to you. Let me pray. Father, we, we thank you for this gift that you gave us. And that's what it is. It's a gift to be able to participate in this mission. 
Um, and, and you've given us the batteries. <laughs> you've included the batteries. You've, you've given us everything we need to do it. Give us courage. Give us faith that we're not alone. Let us as a church encourage one another to take part. Lord, this is, this is big. This is huge that you would work through us. People as sinful as we are. That you would work through us to accomplish something so great. Let us look at it that way. Let us look at it as a gift. Something that we get to do to participate in. And, and send us your spirit to encourage us. Lord, give us confidence. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus who, who gave us this mission. We ask them in his name. Amen.